disaster Don't you give up, don't you let Talking about a forever after. Don't you give up, don't you dare give in. Don't you give up, don't you No, don't you give up and don't you allow disaster if you have any anything to say about it at all. Greetings, friends, brothers and sisters. Jack Tuckner here with Deborah O'Rell. Joining you from the Women's Rights in the Workplace show at the Progressive Radio Network here in beautiful Manhattan on the Upper West Side. Downtown. Hey, well, it's a little bit uptown. Well, but we could say know, downtown just for fun because we're downtown phrase. types of guys. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> so, how are you? Fantastic. Thank you. Very good. We will talk today about the Violence Against Women Act. I don't know whether many of our listeners probably have an idea of what that is and how important it is, but this past Sunday Mm. was the 20th anniversary. Did you know that? I did. And um, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, President Bill Clinton signed that law uh, into effect. It's had a long now and somewhat um, difficult history in part because it is up for reauthorization every couple of years and every or every few years, I'm not sure, maybe it's every five years, and every time that it's up for reauthorization, our friends, our Republican friends in the House of Representatives and in the Senate do their very best to gut it or to uh, do away with it altogether. Weaken not sure it. why, weaken it. Well, <clears throat> they certainly wanted and tried to, in just the last iteration of it in 2013, completely gutted, mm. um, you know, for reasons taking that... Taking out all the protections. Taking out the heart of it, really. Right. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about... I want to revisit that for those of our listeners who aren't really quite sure of what it is and what it does and what it can be, especially in light of what's sort of going on today. It's sort of been... You know what it's like, I, I thought, over the weekend? It's kind of like the ERA. You might have heard about it, you hear your mothers talking about it, you know, you hear people exactly, talking about yeah, it, right. but but because the majority of women right now have already benefited from it, they're not really aware of where it's falling short. Right. So it just, it struck me as something like ERA, that... And is that, when you say the majority of women have benefited by it, I mean, is that because you're thinking of the younger generations to, to the well, millennials? From, from where we are today to where it was 20 years ago. Right. Discussion about violence against women didn't happen 20 years ago. Right. And That's much right. like the Janae Rice, what really came up about that was the immediate, particularly on Fox, um, the response is, why didn't she leave? Right. You know, and that's that implied right. blame right. the victim. Well, on Fox, it's why didn't she take the stairs? <clears throat> I mean, that exactly. was really. You know what? That's right. I forgot that was what they had said. And they just made fun of it altogether. But but even on, you're right on the exactly on the main corporate media, it just becomes you know it's just just another instance of the fact that she married him right. after this, and that she they were both arrested. I mean, why were they again back to? Right. And you know, as a former criminal lawyer, knowing that, and a lot of times that was the policy of the Bronx District Attorney back in the day when I was. Uh, a criminal defense lawyer, that if there was a domestic violent violence incident and the police were called, unless there was somebody yeah. bleeding on the floor, both were arrested. We'll, we'll right. you know, let, we'll, let, we'll the let somebody judge else sort figure it out. It exactly. out. Yeah. And actually, somebody, uh, some professor from Drexel somewhere, um, 
domestic violence expert, was talking about um, Janae Rice in particular saying the fact that she married him may have had something to do with what criminal charges he might be charged with because a wife cannot testify against a husband. <laughs> right. And did she marry him? We can't be to, forced to testify, right? To exactly. protect him. Something That's like it. that. Exactly. Now, is that the, you know, the pessimistic view or is it because domestic violence in and of itself is not easily fixed like people say just leave but that is when women right. become most vulnerable right. many are then killed exactly but so, also as Janae Rice said didn't she say afterwards because she certainly has been not a supporter of this lifetime ban by the NFL that all you did was make it impossible for my husband to earn a living therefore how is that helping me the victim and perhaps that argument on an individualized basis is a good one. It's just that on a larger scale, it's still why did Roger Goodell, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. Why did the NFL commissioner, Goodell, Goodell why did he um, see fit and the entire NFL, and I know it all comes down to, to the Benjamins, right. to just say, you know what, he cold cocked her in an elevator out like a light of light. And again, this is not, this is in a, in a, he's an elite athlete. Did you see what this guy looks like? I mean, yeah. he's just solid muscle. He's at the peak of his prowess, and he knocked her out cold. There's no, you know, and then he was dragging her out like a like a yeah. pile of mulch. Right. So the fact is that that only cost him nothing. Virtually, he got a little rest um, as a as a as an indicator of our sort of culture of condemnation of violence against women. So back to what are we talking about here? You know, 20 yeah. years ago. On September 13th, 1994, so today's the 15th, two days ago was the anniversary, I guess it was Saturday, Bill Clinton signed into law the Violence Against Women Act. Now, why this was a major milestone in, in our nation's efforts to prevent violence against women because it helped victims of such, how, what do you call these? I mean, vile, life-changing acts, right? I don't know if, you know, Deborah, if you've been a victim of domestic violence, but many one out of four women apparently are, mm -hmm. or sexual assault with them and or domestic violence. And um, two decades later, since it's been enacted, despite significant protections that it established, recent events, so particularly that there were two recent NFL events, although I don't know that the second one was a violence against women, but it was a domestic violence situation, and also sort of against the backdrop of football that someone is punishing his child, this wealthy, uh, you know, also famous running back, I believe, with a, with what do they call that? A the switch. Paddle? A switch. Oh. But so that he yeah. was actually, you know, a four-year-old was fairly grievously injured. Um that, that it's you know that this is a necessary law and it still remains a prevalent and dangerous problem. Basic safety, in my view, shouldn't be a privilege any more than health care should be in this country. So, if it should be a fundamental right, and I don't know, it seems to be. I'll bet it's a fundamental right in the countries that we tend to admire in the Netherlands and places that, at least historically, have been a lot more uh, egalitarian. Um, protecting all Americans from harm, regardless of their relationship to their abuser, which was important back in the day, and not the day was only 20 years ago in mm -hmm. certain states, that if you knew your rapist, in fact, I know this from listening yeah. to Joe Biden, Vice President Joe Biden, talk about the 20th anniversary, and he was the man who um, 
was instrumental Intru- yeah, in introducing this and working and really hard passed. to get it and getting it passed because nobody really gave a shit about it back in 20 years ago. He, he went, it was against the current of all this. Why is a man doing it? Do we need it? It was a sideshow. But he was pointing out that in Delaware, where he was a senator from, that if you were raped by a stranger in a back alley, as you know, the sort of image always goes, that was a Class B violent felony, I believe was what he said. And so punishable by up to life in jail. If you knew the assailant, same set of facts, same violent rape, but you knew him, you could, he could not be convicted of that very serious rape in the first degree. It was some lesser crime because you were presumed to know better. And which was why so-called date rapes didn't, and are still a big problem, because if you have the lack of judgment, saith right. the community, to get into a car and go out on a date with this asshole? Well, or more to the point, on a college campus at a frat party drinking, right. if you're going to get drunk, then they're allowed to do whatever they want to you because it's your own fault. Right. And exactly. exactly. But, you know, that's just. But isn't that. But that inculcation in our. I don't think it was always like that. The idea that, again, what you're wearing, whether you're drinking, did you invite it? Are you a slut, a hoe? Are you, are you a sex positive person? Again, the so called rape shield laws that VAWA helped usher in on, on a federal level, but many states, including New York, have had them for now some decades, where previously. And this wasn't very much before my day as a criminal defense lawyer. If you were a complaining witness in a rape case, you're saying that this man raped you, it was a non-consensual sexual assault, the defense lawyer got to go to town and say all those things. Wait a minute, how many people have you had sex with? What were you wearing? As if that's relevant. Now, many people might say it is relevant. It's not, you know, again, you could take it all the way, and it's not so much all the way, but to the extreme argument typically is, can a prostitute, can a hunts point to name a a particularly notorious place in the Bronx, New York City, where the kind of less than, you know, the the high-level call girls, so to speak, weren't plying their trade. These were the, you know, and as a public defender back in the days to represent these women who were victims of, and most of them were addled, drug-addled, and many of them, you know, toothless, they would come on their 300th arrest for prostitution. And if you had 350 prior arrests for prostitution and now claimed you were raped, nobody took you seriously. Right. I don't, and of course, if you were married, no one took you seriously until recently. And they right. still feel it's difficult to prove a rape. In a, you don't see very many. He raped me. He's my husband. It's like, yeah, we have better things to do. But anyway, I just back to, you know, the but pursu- there weren't criminal, there weren't uh, laws to protect. Right. 20 years ago. There were not. And, of course, there were some laws, but it has gotten much better in these last 20 years. So, again, let's give credit where it's due to to, to Joe Biden and to all of the organizations and all of the individuals and all of the survivors that worked extremely hard and still do to be heard and to make sure that their assault did not happen in vain and to help other women. And you know, you know what, Deborah? People, this is not just because I know I, on my social media I always get whenever I put up a hashtag male privilege to some post on, especially this past week, on the 20th anniversary of VAWA. There's always someone, and women too, that just sort of pipe up and say, "What about female hashtag female privilege?" You know, what about all these? And I again, I, I there, and my response is and was to one of these people, and it was a woman. Um, Something to the effect of, well, female privilege is much like black privilege in that it doesn't exist. Now, this is just, again... What privilege? 
It well, used to be I would at least be offered a seat on the right. bus, That's one of your and main... I do not <laughs> yeah. get offered. Well, I don't know why you think, right, but you glower. want that. You want that, right? You I want... glower at young men sitting while I'm standing. Well, I'm not sure why they should get up for you, the okay, young Okay, well, because you know, you're not exactly one of the old... old dowager. Okay, well, so why should they be getting up for you? But anyway, I, I think that so that you know, was privilege. What's, oh, that was privilege. When, that oh, was. So, I know, but when men, that's but that's what Rush Limbaugh says that you should be grateful for that when men still they open doors for women. Yeah, they don't. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, well, all right. Well, if we went back though to men, because Rush Limbaugh would do that, buy you a diamond ring, open the car door for you, open the door, please you first, and get up and stand on the train. You could get that again if you give up your credit card right. and give up your right to vote. I don't think it's yeah. a good deal. Right. So. And, and again, 90, I was saying, uh, leading into that 90% of serious domestic violence cases involve women as victims, right. women as survivors, not men. So I understand. You could Google it and see a lot of photographs. I understand. It's actually probably a fairly unspoken, untalked about, I'm not talking about male battering, that there are women who are, you know, right. crazy, and there are women who batter their men. Right. But they're f- much fewer and f- further between and for the most part, there is a fairly significant differential, in, usually, in well, terms of ability. Well, they say it's underreported, clearly. Okay. But it's still just not that many. I mean, you know. Just almost, not as many as women. Well, it's, it's, it's almost, to, to me, and I could be attacked for this, but it's a very, fairly insignificant, and it might be as insignificant as, 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 man, as, as, man, as like female-on-male rape. I mean, I understand men get raped, and somebody. I mean, the question is, if a man says, well, she raped me, is it possible? Sure. Does it happen very often? I don't. I think not so much. But but that's mm-hmm. you know, you can feel free to call us at eight 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 seven four four eight 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 if you'd like to tell us all about why female privilege and black privilege is an important uh, injustice in your world or in your community. So. Um, this is, was landmark legislation, uh, le- legislation uh, back mm-hmm. 20 years ago, and it comes at a particularly timely moment as our country is engaged in something of a national conversation, certainly by, if you're judging by Twitter, you'd call it a national conversation, about the National Football League's responsibility to adequately respond uh, to incidences of domestic abuse perpetrated by the players. Um, as you know, we've... we've we focused all this attention on that video of the former. What kind of? What was he? A uh, uh, his team? Do you know his team? Shows you how a Ravens was it? Yeah. Baltimore, Baltimore Ravens, running back named Ray Rice, uh, who again punched out his fiance in an elevator, uh, and also the NFL's pretty feeble response to because they saw the surveillance tape of him again. Even if the, I still don't understand the distinction between pulling out of the elevator the unconscious woman and treating her like a sack of potatoes and actually seeing him cold cocker on tape but um you know it can be hard to feel like the country is taking any meaningful steps at this point towards taking violence against women seriously because of some of these issues as they arise uh but but while there's certainly i think you and i would agree there's a lot of work left to be done and some of the way more knowledgeable folks in this community um of women's rights activists than i am agree that there's a lot left to be done um, this national legislation aimed at supporting victims of domestic violence has changed the landscape mm-hmm. in some really significant ways. So um, do we want to take a look at 
how some of that yes. has changed in the past two decades? Yes. I mean, we could get, take those phone calls from all those female privileged folks, but why don't we just take a quick look as a... Yes. As what has changed. How well, first have of all, we progressed how in have the we last progressed? Since VAWA. Decades. Since the legislation known as the Violence Against Women Act was passed. First of all, we have significantly more resources to address and prevent domestic abuse. The whole point of VAWA is to provide more institutional resources for domestic violence victims. And what, in order to accomplish that, the law expanded greatly the network of rape crisis centers and domestic violence shelters across the country. And they established this very successful, you know, 24-7 manned and womaned domestic violence hotline, yeah. uh, which I think has received, you know, several million calls um, in, the, in the past that 20 years. Um, it provides, VAWA also provides funding for efforts to prevent crime, like expanding youth education programs to teach kids about what constitutes date rape mm-hmm. and any kind of dating violence. Really important that we teach boys, not just girls, that it's not up to the girl to make sure that she doesn't get you, you know, want, you know, make you rape her, but it's up to you to understand that this is actually supposed to be a completely consensual act and no does mean no, no matter what the situation is or whatever time it happens. Right. In fact, you know, we had this for those old enough to remember Mike Tyson's rape trial, and it yeah. was back in the 90s. And it was probably because, and some would say, it had a little bit to do that he was a man of color and kind of, you know, this, this sort of raging bull of a crude guy. But in his defense, when people were coming to his defense, they were saying he was in a hotel room at 2 in the morning with a woman who went up there with him, presumably, and had drinks, and it was 2 in the morning, and they started making out, and at some point, if you could call it making out, but they were involved in some sexual activity in his hotel room at 2 in the morning, this heavyweight fighter, um, you know, guy just filled with whatever he's filled with, and she said, I think I changed my mind, and he kind of was like, well, it's too late. And then he did six years in prison. I think that happens every day on college campuses, right? Wouldn't you imagine that? Yeah. And most of those people don't even get expelled, let alone prosecuted, the white undergraduate boys of privilege, right? Exactly. So, um... So That's that, what the woman in Columbia is doing. He's carrying around her mattress. Columbia University, right. Yeah. Just remind us what's going on with that. She, the, the school has done, has um, inadequately responded. To what? To her charge of having been raped. The guy on is campus. on campus. The guy is still there. She is a performance artist. She's an artist of some sort. Okay. And working with one of her professors to try and make a statement about this. Mm-hmm. This is, she's calling it a performance piece, but she is carrying. But it's real. But it's real. I mean, it's 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 like a protest. It's, it's she, making a statement. The rape wasn't a performance. No, no. The rape was definitely happened. But b- since the school has not paid attention to her, she is trying to bring attention to this subject. Right. He is still on campus. Unbelievable. Still going to class, etc. And what she's doing is carrying her single mattress around everywhere she goes. And um, she and this professor came up with this because it's heavy enough to really be a burden for her. Like a big cross. That's her. Like, right. Yeah, like a cross to bear. Right. And um, she has to bring it, and she <coughs> is bringing it everywhere with her. People can offer to help her carry it, mm-hmm. uh, but she can ask no one to help her with it. 
And um, and she's doing this until the university takes some action? Is that the idea? Or just raising no, I'm not consciousness? not exactly okay. sure when it's supposed okay. to end. Well, but listeners can Google that. It's Columbia University, you know, the graduate student who was raped and is now carrying around uh, her mattress to make a point. Uh, and I think that point... And I, you know, and, and good on her for making that point and those of us who can listen to that, because, again, as I, I'm always saying whether it's us or our female listeners who uh, this could happen to or the women in our lives who we're fond of, doesn't it affect all of us? Yes. So anyway. Anyway, so the VAWA, what I, I was um, explaining uh, or speaking about some of the um, some of the benefits of what it has done for us over the last 20 years, it implemented safety measures on public transportation, requires the government now to conduct more research into domestic violence so we'll have a better understanding of the scope of the problem. Fewer people are becoming victims of domestic violence. There's no question of that. According to data from the Department of Justice's own office on this, which is the, violence, uh, the Office on Violence Against Women, OVW, domestic violence rates declined 64 percent between 1993 and 2010. And the rate of women being murdered by men in single victim, single offender situations, which is often characteristic of intimate partner violence, dropped by 26% over a similar time period between 1996 and 2012. One study attempted to figure out why domestic violence rates dropped so dramatically in the 90s, and they attributed to the decline partly to VAWA, um, which has been an important impetus for funding in the area of civil education. legal assistance and, of course, education. Right. Exactly. Um, also, we as a culture, we're more comfortable now of talking about domestic abuse the way we're more comfortable talking about Anything. being lesbian. Well, exactly. Mm, right, well, anything. think about, right. you know, Ricky and Lucy couldn't even be in the same right. bed exactly. on TV. Exactly. You know, exactly. things, things <laughs> right. evolve. Right. And, right. But it's the education of the police. I mean, I don't know if that's what you're getting into, but it really is about when there's more uh, awareness. Awareness. Awareness is where well, it starts. Awareness is Talking definitely. about it, feeling right. comfortable, just like any kind of abuse, child abuse. You know, tell somebody. Shine this a is, light on it. Shine a light on it. Transparency. And, and be eternally vigilant. Exactly. Because otherwise, we, there's, there's someone for, you know, as, the, as we grow older and there's no one around to remember what it was like, people forget. And that may happen with our younger generation who, you know, they get sort of awkwardly and strangely uh, apathetic. And partly it has to do with, again, the media that they're consuming, whether social or otherwise, that just most of it corporate, and they might not know any better now how it's sort of come to this, you know, since corporations through the acts of our, the unilateral acts of our Supreme Court that weren't even legal, but we get into that in another show, have taken over the conversation. And it's really not in corporate America's interest to promote this kind of across-the-board equality and fairness because it might not actually in order the benefit of the shareholder. But but uh, anyway, back to the, the conversation of how it has changed over 20 years. Joe Biden says, and I quote, even just 20 years ago, violence against women in America was an epidemic that few people wanted to talk about, let alone do something about. And so... Um, This was a statement that he made when he introduced VAWA and has championed this legislation ever since. He pointed out recently in uh, a New York Times op-ed piece marking the anniversary um, that things are still only in some ways slowly starting to change. But victims are becoming more comfortable reaching out. The domestic violence hotline has received over... I might have mentioned over 3 million calls since 96. A lot of calls. 92% of those callers say it's their first call for help. 
uh, violence against women is no longer considered. And what was it considered also 20 years ago? And again, in our lifetime, you remember this, a family affair. Mm-hmm. They would say, you can't family matter, or you can get right. involved with this. This is his wife. Let them right. work it out, right? That has changed drastically. Um, and I remember even back in my day, it was also about 20-some-odd years ago, where a judge in criminal court in the Bronx released a domestic violence offender, which was fairly routine. This guy came out. I remember I was there. He came out and said on a bail application to lower his bail. And I don't remember the specifics of what he was, how badly his the violent acts were. But he was in jail awaiting trial, and he did a, he he, uh, he his lawyer asked that the court reduce his bail so he can get out and feed and take care of his dog, who apparently no one was taking care of, and the dog was creating all kinds of problems. And it was sort of a tearjerker argument that the judge bought, reduced his bail, let him out, he went home and killed his partner. That judge. Named by name of Lauren Duckman, was removed from the bench. I mean, it was one of those, you know, and it was all over the tabloids for a while. And it, with his name Duckman, and what the transcript was about the dog, it was a little bit co- comedically a sort of black comedy. Um, and he still, he just sort of rode off into the sunset. But there was this this backlash that is, you know, starting to happen back then. And that was, I think, that was ninety four. Yes, it was after the uh, the legislation was in fact enacted. Um, so um, it is no longer, you know, something that we consider to be something between the, you know, private family matter. It's, it's now domestic violence that is widely regarded as something that requires a public solution. Um, I have, according to the advocacy group, Futures Without Violence, before the 1980s, there were about 150 articles in major newspapers, Deb, covering the issue yeah. of domestic violence. In the decades of the 2000s, there were more than 7,000, oh, from 150 yeah. to 7,000. Um, you know, so that's significant progress. We're also better at recognizing the diversity of survivors' experiences. The latest uh, iteration of VAWA since 2013, when it was, was again reauthorized, made some important updates to this original 1994 law. It expanded protections for Native American women mm-hmm. by giving tribes more authority to prosecute domestic abuse. It protected LGBT individuals. Finally, mm-hmm. the, the Republicans have been opposed for that from day one, from being discriminated against. Um, it protected people from being discriminated against in shelters, uh, homeless shelters. It ensured that immigrants' legal status immigrants. can't be exploited by their right. abuse. This was a big one. The, big. The, the, the House of Representatives just last year completely gutted this. But why it was important, and I, I heard Rachel Maddow uh, did a, uh, this was about a year ago, a lovely piece on this, that you know that still men... Um, I think I think there is still a current website called IntimateEncounters.com, where men can um, uh, purchase a br- mail order brides. Used to be right, mail order brides. Well, now people it's on the who watch Orange Is the New Black are right. aware of that because one of the characters purchased his wife. Ah, okay. And you know, but it's not. You know, it used to be maybe something seedy in the back of whatever yeah. paper, and you buy in a post office box. That's on the internet, and it's like vetted. The you can purchase your bride from Russia, and she will come over and be your bride, whether that sort of uh, means kind of your sex slave or an indentured servant. But the thing is, if you beat her, and if you feel that that may be your prerogative because you bought her, right? 
she's com completely dependent on you for her freedom and her ability to stay here or she will be deported. Right. And so it was a huge issue to make the, to have this now be part of the law that she can complain and not have to worry like they used to do that they would return her Mm -hmm. To her abuser, like they did a former slave or the chattel. Mm -hmm. She mm -hmm. was, after mm -hmm. all, chattel not very long ago, we've discussed. Well, you recall uh, a babysitter that we're both familiar with whose husband abused her. You have a caller. Absolutely. And she thought since she was here illegally, she couldn't call the police. She couldn't do anything. Ren from Chicago is on the line. Ren, thanks Afternoon, for calling. How are you? I'm getting along, thanks. How about yourself? Doing quite well. Do you have a um, thought, a question, an opinion? Uh, thought, actually. Well, thought slash question, thought meme to throw out. An excellent show as usual, by the way. Thanks. So as this whole NFL Ray Rice thing was starting to die down, uh, to the extent that it has to date, um, I started, you know, I started noticing questions in the Facebook posts from the women I know, and one in particular from my sister-in-law. She was, uh, what was the question she posed? All right, so we're told not to boycott, and we're told not to do something else. So then, what do we do? And it kind of dawned on me, and then it snapped back into my head. Well, first thing was, yeah, of course they're going to say don't boycott, and that boycotting is like tantamount, to even utter the word, it's tantamount to clubbing baby seals or something, right? They're, 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 right. they're in a business. So don't worry about that. Don't, don't worry about your humanity. We'll, 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 we'll handle that. Just, yeah, we got this whole woman-beating thing. Y'all just go keep baking cookies or whatever, and, and we'll handle this woman-beating beating thing. So, yes, boycott. And two, why is the NFL tax exempt? Why are, why are they a nonprofit? Women need to, I would love to see women get up and go after both, um, go after their pockets in both the form of a boycott and pulling their taxes exempt status. And that would fund a whole crap load of other social justice issues that actually need that money. Exactly. Your name is, I'm sorry, Ren? Yes. Well, so what suggestion do you have specifically for how we, whether you, you're not just specifically saying women should be boycotting. No, right? no, 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 of course not. Of course not. Not specifically, but since since their hand has been forced at the moment, um, I think they'd be the ones that, tactically speaking, they'd be the ones that properly spearhead this thing. Um, for, for specifics as to starting a boycott, I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't even know how to go at the NFL. I, I haven't watched pro sports since... Since 1983, in the first <laughs> yeah. baseball strike, right. I haven't cared. So right. I wouldn't know how to go after Me them. Either. But it's, I mean, hit them in the pockets. Hit them in the pockets. Well, I, it's, it's, a, it's a great idea, and thanks for the call. But, Ren, isn't the idea that hitting in the pocket would be absolutely, you know, a, a stunning and splendid way to make changes sort of culturally in the NFL because it's a mega money-making machine? I mean, I think... It's a mega about, So it's not... It's because of the... You know that they pay... I, I read they paid Roger uh, Goodell. How do you pronounce Goodell. Goodell. $44.5 million last year, these NFL owners. That are that I think for the 30-some-on NFL owners, they're billionaires all. They pay him $44 million because he gets, he's raking it in for the league. And the, and it is, after all, isn't it, a violent sport? I mean, you know, again. I, yes. It's, it's, it's a mega money-making machine whose profit, whose source of profit is rooted in social capital. So how can you, on one hand, 
you know, this is how we make our money. Is social currency is how we make our money. But on the other hand, well, yeah, you know, don't don't worry about that too much. Just a little woman beating. You know, no. just but just to the point to think that the NFL would care. They don't care about their own players who, at the end of their careers, suffer from oh, no. profound brain injury. Right. And they are not taking care That's of right. their, their own players who have made them money, let alone family. Roger Goodell's job is to manage these media crises that are going to impact money. The, the 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 whole culture of the NFL is about profit and violence. I mean, quite honestly, bash their heads in. They have, they're 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 eking testosterone. So so why should if again this man I believe I also haven't watched professional sports since before you ran, but I, I've never I don't think I've ever sat through an entire football game. So maybe I'm losing my credibility. But it yeah. seems to me that if I've you know this is and as I mentioned at the beginning of the show this is an elite athlete this is again I understand he was a, he's a great running back so he's making tons of money tons of money for the league as we used to say it's a family you know they were both I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate they're both drunk they're in the elevator she lunged at him he knocks her out okay it's kind of part of what you know let's face it these guys a lot of these guys are, are juiced to the max right to the gills testosterone is one of the, the most dangerous drug in the world and you know this is sort of it kind of comes with the territory i think part of the argument is it's sort of you know it's it's if that's what it, and, and that she herself as a janae rice is mm-hmm. arguing please don't do this and you know she's apologizing herself at a press conference so I mean, I think it's a, it's a terrific idea, right? If somehow we can get enough critical mass of, and I don't know that it would have to be led by that it can be led by women any more than so it took Joe Biden, a man, to sort of spearhead the Violence Against Women Act twenty years ago. I don't. I think we need to. We we all need to join in because we all probably love a, a woman in our lives and say, how can, what's the difference if we're men when we might say, if we don't support, and I feel the same way often about hockey, you know, because I think it's a violent sport and I wouldn't want to take, if I had a five-year-old son, I'm not sure I'd want to take him to a game that condones punching, I know, you know, the, it's not the injuries aren't severe, but they punch each other out and they get one minute in a penalty box, which condones it. So, but that might be my extreme uh, position on it. But I, I think if you're, you're suggesting that perhaps we should all think about how we might change the culture by not buying tickets to the games? By not buying tickets. And more importantly, well, I think at the root of it is digging into why the NFL is tax exempt. They, 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 they're a nonprofit. Right. Pro- yeah. yeah. Well, that's <laughs> they're lobbious. They're a nonprofit. Right. Yeah. So, they're, that's- you know, on one hand, if, okay, on one hand, that's your culture, that's football that's your thing that's fine that doesn't mean i have to fund it exactly that's a brilliant actually right why is that how do you explain how would anyone explain how it's a not-for-profit corporation or industry when the profits for those at the top you know typically again you know the white men at the top that are raking it in not getting their heads bashed in or their faces bashed in are 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 they're making mad profit on this sport so that's an excellent point ren thank you very much for the call Thanks for having me, gang. All right. Take care now. So what should we do? Should we, should, how come we haven't heard calls for, uh, you know, boycotting the NFL? I mean, I understand, I think that some 
pizzeria somewhere. Is give, no, it really is giving is giving a free pie to anyone who brings back a Ray Rice jersey. Now brings in a Ray oh, Rice, yeah, and, they're, gonna do, and they're going to donate whatever twenty percent of whatever it was, either the proceeds from the pie or their nights or the sale yeah. of these jerseys to something shelters or something that had to do with helping, you know, uh, women. Um, who are survivors of domestic violence? But Ren makes a great point that why should we, the taxpayer, we have a we have a not-for-profit league that is a juggernaut, right? It's a juggernaut of money making. Mm-hmm. And, and again, as you said, which is also a great point. First of all, I understand football players are actually aren't they the least? Maybe guys like Rice, the stars, and I think he was made twenty-five million dollars already. But they don't. They're the least. You know, the least highly paid of many of the professional sports. They don't make anywhere near. I thought they don't make anywhere near what. Maybe I'm wrong, but some of the contracts in baseball or basketball, maybe I'm wrong. I always thought historically that the average sort of journeyman player was not like a rich, necessarily a rich person. Maybe that has all changed. But also their career is short. I guess you can't get your head bashed in that long. And it was also in the, this was also contemporaneous, newsworthy um, uh, tidbit that's related to this, that there's a lawsuit now. It's a class action with about four, 5,000 former NFL players that are suing for I don't know how many uh, millions or maybe it was billions of dollars saying that the, there's some, it's already been proven, some significant statistical uh, uh, you know, s- number of them end up with these cognitive issues. Yeah. Not, and not at 80 years old. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and again, the, the, the league is fighting them tooth and nail because, Completely. again, they don't want, it's what's like it about the tobacco, money? The tobacco companies. Exactly. If you don't I mean, want cancer, don't smoke. <laughs> that's right. So if you don't want to get knocked out, <laughs> don't well, play if football. If you don't want cancer, don't smoke. But even if you don't, they externalize all the costs of their toxic product right. that, if it's taken and used as directed, kills you. Yeah. So where where's the sort of tax on that? Why aren't like why don't we have a tax on high frequency trading too? Why is it there's so much inequity in our system that right. here we are focusing on violence against women and as Ren and blaming out, her and blaming and blaming her and even she. And this is part of what's important. I, and she I was blamed waiting her. Waiting for you to get to that. She yeah. said in the press conference. I don't know that it didn't come about because of a certain amount of pressure on her, but everyone. But you know, Ray Rice said, "Now I shouldn't take this blame all myself. I'm going to talk to her now. Let's have let's have my wife say." And she said, "You know, I want to I want to apologize now for the role that I played in it. Right. My face got in the way." Of my fiance's fist, and it reminds me of in the you know back in right. the day in in, in as, as a public defender when every resisting arrest case where my client stood next to me with blood spattered shirt and pants handcuffed b- from behind, the recitation from the assistant district attorney was that you know that he was tumultuous and that he started like pummeling the cops with his face you know yeah. his face hit their radio, so you're right uh, and uh, Ren thank you for. Uh, for that call. Um, and you can certainly feel free to give us a call if you're so inclined to talk about the Violence Against Women Act's 20th anniversary at 888-874-4888, and we'll take your call and put you right on the air. Um, so I was just still just going through wh- how VAWA has helped us all. Um, and I think I just mentioned that we went through, I think the last thing we were talking about is mail-order brides, though. But we were just yeah. talking about how at least though now still, if your abuser is someone who has bought you legally, yeah. legally, has purchased you from another country, that um, you have the right to come forward and be protected as a complaining witness yeah. and not be deported as a result and have the full weight of the law behind you. Right. 
Did you have something you wanted to say there? Well, no, and that's when I was just saying the, you know, the immigrant status. If someone is here illegally, mm -hmm. they are reluctant, and we know somebody or knew someone mm -hmm. whose husband was abusing her, and she was too afraid to call the police for fear that she right. would be right. deported. Exactly. But meanwhile, what his fist was in her face. Exactly. And it was, you know, we had to say, mm -hmm. this isn't allowed here exactly. anymore. Exactly. Which, at least, is a sign of some progress in our own civilization. Yeah. And we want to acknowledge that, recognize it, uh, and shine the light on that so that we right. can continue to move in that direction. Also, the, the latest, the 2013 reauthorization of VAWA has included... Um, Crimes such as cyber stalking for the first time, which is also important in our mm -hmm. digital age. Um, you know, these new provisions were a sticking point for so many Republicans, all of them, frankly, in the, in the House. Um, they refused to pass the expanded version of VAWA in 2013. They allowed the whole law to lapse the first time uh, around, since, and it was the first time it ever lapsed since its passage in 94. Last February, finally, Congress reauthorized VAWA with the protections um, fully intact. Although, I have to point out that in the first six years of the Violence Against Women Act, from 1994 to 2000, and I had a case during those years where there was a civil, a private remedy that you could go into federal court and sue your abuser for damages to say, hey, I was, I was grievously hurt or my teeth were knocked out. In fact, I had a case against a dentist who continued to sexually abuse um, one of his, uh, his uh, hygienists, and we commenced an action under VAWA. The case ultimately settled, but it allowed her to say, you know, you have to pay for this PTSD now I have. You have to pay for the fact that I can't ever go to sleep without thinking about your nasty, molesting fingers and what you did to me. The Supreme Court in 2000, in a five to four vote, this is not the exact same individuals, but again, the same five angry, crazy men on the Supreme Court voted to rescind that aspect of it, that there shouldn't be the a right of co private cause of action, to because it'll, it'll clog up the federal courts, they said. Right. The same and the only one making saw. money are those lawyers. Exactly. Exactly. Except here, making law lawyers representing victims right. of domestic violence. A lot of money to be made there, right? So, um, and, and of course, even in those six years, the cases were few and far between, but since it was rescinded and gutted by the Supreme Court, it has never been reauthorized because it would of have been impossible so. to get yeah. through, although Senator uh, Vice President Biden recently said in his remarks at the 20th anniversary that he's still working on getting that back if there's any way possible, and I applaud him for that. You know, I wanted to play, can you, I wanted, do you have that uh, queued up there for us? The, if you could, when I was just talking about Republican opposition, that last year in the wake of the Republicans saying this war on women, and this might have been actually in 2012 when they were first allowing, talking about allowing VAWA to lapse. Yeah. And the during the the run up to the election and all of the craziness, you know, the ultrasounds and the the the, the four hundred new bills that were proposed to limit women's right to reproductive health and reproductive choice. Uh, representative Cal uh, Wisconsin Representative Gwen Moore is one of my favorites. Um, spoke on the on the floor of uh, the House and with her remarks in opposition and in support of the Violence Against Women Act. It's a one-minute clip, if you don't mind playing that for us now. Pelosi has been front-paging this issue and her position as the Democrats' leader in the House. 
And today, at a press conference on Capitol Hill, a Wisconsin Democratic Congresswoman named Gwen Moore went all out, uh, not just on the legislation, but on what in her experience has convinced her that the Violence Against Women Act is so important. You know, one experience that I had uh, that occurred to me, uh, I thought of this morning, was a time when I took a ride with a guy I thought was a friend to go to, to get some fried chicken. And he decided to take a detour behind some buildings to rape me and choke me almost to death. I was sort of seeing that little light that you often hear about. As a woman of color, I am particularly aggrieved that this bill ignores the special circumstances of women who are minorities, women who are in the shadows. Stop playing games with the lives of women. This is yet another. They don't want to hear us talk about it being a war on women. But I mean, this is, this is a direct assault, assault on women's lives. Three women a day die from victimization. And I would implore my colleagues to stop playing games. The House voted on. That was Representative Gwen Moore in a particularly eloquent uh, statement in support of the Violence Against Women Act. And since then, she's actually spoken eloquently about it was more than one time that apparently that she was raped and she had a particularly challenging uh, life that involved um, you know, many abuses uh, to her person mentally and physically because of she was a woman, because she was a woman, she is a woman of color. Um, and I just thought that was a, a powerful statement that these men, that there's, that there's no war on women. You know, now, by the way, in the 2014 midterm elections, many legislators, Republican legislators are now taking, as they always do, as Mitt Romney did, simply taking credit for, you know, being in favor of equal pay and fa for equal pay for women being in favor of VAWA, but they weren't. And their track records and their votes, you know, belie the nonsense that they're just spewing and letting Fox News, um, you know, Fox so-called news, Fox faux news, uh, you know, uh, you know, pull the wool over our eyes. So just finally, there are, we're talking about what, what VAWA has done for our criminal justice system. It was set up, it was now that there were, um, we didn't have a criminal justice system that was really set up to handle these issues. Sexual assault and domestic violence weren't even included in the federal criminal code. Hmm. So VAWA strengthened the federal punishments for those crimes, which then led the way for states. And New York State was a little bit ahead. We had we had before VAWA certain laws that, you know, we called an assault an assault, at least at that time, and included spousal abuse. But many states didn't. And that led the way for states to reform their own laws in this area. So, for example, spousal rape is now treated as seriously as stranger rape, at least under the laws. It's not always that way in effect, I know. But spousal rape, you can't say anymore, she's my wife. I can get to do what the fuck I want with her. You can't say that. It is not a legal defense. Um... And it's the same as stranger rape. And VAWA also also trained and trains over 500,000 law enforcement officers, prosecutors, and judges every year so they'll be able to better respond to cases involving intimate partner violence, abuse, and assault. So, um, and, and finally, but not least, thanks to this federal legislation, victims' past sexual behavior is right. inadmissible in trials where they're accusing someone else of sexual misconduct. So, again, very important because it's all you have to do is say, you know, as a defense lawyer, it's very powerful when you turn it around on a woman and say, but basically calling her a slut and saying, you know what, 
if you weren't so, you know, if you didn't have sex with him four times before, he wouldn't have thought he could have it the fifth time. Right. And you don't get to say no to the fifth time. That is no longer even admissible. I say kudos. And I think that's a huge. Finally. Yeah. finally. So, you know, I, Deb, I just wanted to... Um, to talk a little bit about how perhaps just something that you don't hear all the time that I've something I've and it may be a little bit wacky but you know there was a time in ancient civilizations um, in some ancient civilizations where women were respected even revered right we had goddesses I think some of these like Sumerian culture and the Celtic culture all the indigenous culture, cultures the indigenous cultures I don't know about all of them but some of them back in the, you know there yeah. were it was not like a there was a separation certainly in roles but that women weren't less than right and in fact in many ways and in, in, in many cultures they were as I said um Revered, there was that. It's sort of like the figure of Mary, kind of with those arms, like allowing. There's just the sense, even more powerful in some cultures still than than Jesus in terms of as, as an icon, mm-hmm. as an image. Um, so, and 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 and, and the gods were depicted as female, and in certain Native American cultures, and I believe with the Iroquois, where they would play lacrosse, the men to 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 to, to you know to figure out you know instead of wars, they play lacrosse to see who the winner is in some dispute. Women had the franchise. Women were the sole voters. Men couldn't vote. The concept was that the sev- about the seventh generation, this so-called seventh generation principle taught by Native Americans says that in every decision, be it personal, governmental, or corporate, we must consider how it will affect our descendants seven generations into the future. How freaking cool is that? Seven generations into the future. So so the, that the pristine sky, field, and mountains in this photo will still be there for them to enjoy through the Iroquois. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, well, we know that men don't give a shit about seven. They don't care about next generation, let alone seven. They're busy like doing what men do. They're going out and they're doing the hunting and they're doing the lacrosse or whatever they do. They're no less than either. But the women are the ones. We have babies. We know the fragility of life. There's something. And I think women are. There is a difference. It's not you know total and it's changed. But there is a difference. And so women, which is why, you know, again, we decimated them, but it was a model. I think it was a great model because if it were true today that only women voted and not men, I, I don't think we would recognize well, the landscape. Well, we've often said that if there were more women in elected offices in our government, that our priorities would be flipped. Right. Now, as, senator, as, as, as my favorite senator... Bernie Sanders says, and I hope he runs for president, as he says, it really wouldn't matter if you had 100 female senators right now if we didn't address the bigger issue, which is the taint of the, you know, the corporate money in politics, the fact that the Koch brothers would buy the women and have the lobbyists would yes. still get the women well, that's to a vote their way. Issue. But it's kind of the most fundamental issue. But still, that's a huge issue uh, in our corrupt and corrupted culture that has taken, you know, it started sort of with Reagan's, you know, spurious supply-side bullshit economics thing, and just sort of as he deregulated um, everything, and he, what was it, the, the um, uh, I can't think of, you know, the, the, the major antitrust laws that he... Air just, traffic controllers? He, well, no, no, the, the major, oh, I the, can't think of the, the yeah. antitrust laws, oh, maybe. Um, but yeah. but that, that he allowed corporations to become what they are today. They used to be 5,500 radio stations. Now there are, you know, six. 
that all of the boards of directors are interlocking, that, you know, that there's just this, that we're becoming an oligarchy. And so uh, we are that, in, yeah. in fact. There's been 44,000 ads so far in the midterm elections paid for by the Koch brothers alone. I mean, it's sick. So it's not one person, one vote. Anyway, back to what I think is just important. And I want to just sort of read a little bit of a, maybe it's a paraphrase, if not a full quote, from one of my favorite current spiritual people, uh, spiritual teachers, Eckhart Tolle, for those of you who've ever read uh, A New Earth. I recommend it if you haven't. You might think it's a little airy-fairy. I think it's actually the be-all and end-all. And if you could get through it, you tell me. Uh, maybe we'll do a show on it one day if this is not, if it doesn't talk to you or speak to you a little bit about where we should be heading as a species if we're not going to all one, you know, very soon not be here in another hundred years given the advances of technology at the hands of this mad human mind. But what, what he writes is that the suppression of the feminine principle, the feminine principle, especially over the past 2,000 years, has enabled the male ego to gain absolute supremacy in the collective human psyche. Women, he says, of course, have egos too, but um, and the ego can take root and grow more. E- but the ego can take root and grow more easily in the male form than in the female. This is because women are less mind identified than men. I believe that as well. They are more in touch with their inner body and the intelligence of the organism where the intuitive faculties originate. The female form is less rigidly encapsulated than the male, has greater openness and sensitivity toward other life forms, and is more attuned to the natural world. Perhaps, and this is just me now editorializing, maybe it's just experiencing childbirth and what it takes to raise a child, the fragility of life, as I mentioned. Um, but even today, I think women are you know, likely less mind-obsessed as a gender. If the balance between, this is Eckhart Tolle again, if the balance between male and female energies had not been destroyed on our planet, the ego's growth would have been greatly curtailed. We wouldn't have declared war on nature, and we would not be so completely alienated from our being, with a capital B, from, and this is now me saying, from the source, from nature, from other creatures, from God, mm-hmm. whatever, however we define that. Nobody knows the exact figures, and this is important now. This is from Tolly again, because records weren't kept. But it seems certain that during a 300-year period between three and five, between three and five million women were tortured and killed by the Holy Inquisition, quote-unquote, an institution founded by the Roman Catholic Church to suppress heresy. This surely ranks together with the Holocaust as one of the darkest chapters in human history. It was enough... For a woman to show a love for animals, walk alone in the fields or woods, or gather medicinal plants, to be branded a witch, then tortured and burned at the stake. The sacred feminine was declared demonic, and an entire dimension largely disappeared from human experience. Other cultures and religions, such as Judaism, Islam, and even Buddhism, have also suppressed the female dimension, although in a less violent way. Women's status was reduced to being childbearers and men's property. Males who denied the feminine, even within themselves, were now running the world, a world that was totally out of balance. The rest is history, or rather, a case history of insanity. Who is responsible for this fear of the feminine that can only be described as acute collective paranoia? Well, we might say, of course, men were responsible. But then why in many ancient pre-Christian civilizations such as the Sumerian, Egyptian, and Celtic, were women respected, and the feminine principle not feared, but revered. What is it that suddenly made men feel threatened by the female, the evolving ego in them? It knew it could gain full control of our planet only through the male form, and to do so it had to render the female 
powerless. In time, the ego also took over most women, although it would never become as deeply entrenched in them as in men. But we now have a situation in, when, in which the suppression of the feminine has become internalized, even in most women. The sacred feminine, uh, again, I, I might be again, but the sacred feminine, because it is suppressed, is felt by many women as emotional pain. In fact, it has become part of their so-called pain body, together with the accumulated pain suffered by women over millennia through childbirth, rape, slavery, torture, and violent death. So, I mean, that was, that was my... But, but here we are in the, in the 21st century where women can vote, women can own property and credit cards, and, and, and again, especially in, in our, in the West, you know, refuse to get married. Certainly here in the U.S. we have some of the most flagrant forms of misogyny that organized religion may have spawned, um, you know, uh, dogmatic organized religion from genital mutilation to sex-selective abortions, honor killings, although we've had them not so long ago in our country, some version of you're allowed to kill if your wife is in flagrant delecti with another man. There were defenses that would let you walk until very recently and in many uh, more, of the, more of the southern states, but this was also something I used to read in law school. Body shaming, extreme sexualization and objectification, although, I mean, they were, there was a woman last week beheaded in Saudi Arabia for witchcraft in a public stadium. So it's not like as if, you know, we talk about ISIS, but Saudi Arabia executed 13 people in the last 10 days publicly. And, so, and they were, none of them were violent. It was for drugs. And one was a, she was a mentally ill woman. She was a, uh, I, I, she was a schizophrenic woman who was executed for being a witch. Um, so it's 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 much of it is a thing of the past. But then again, one out of four women will experience sexual assault on college campuses and in the military, and in you know again in most of in organized places where women are in, uh, not necessarily even in a minority. So, um, what do you think of that, Deb? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I'll tell you with well, the Ray, well, so with the Ray Rice incident, and then you know, in the news, in the anniversary of VAWA, it's worth taking a minute to think about the connection between our everyday lives and what Congress can and should do. We, the people, mm-hmm. to improve mm-hmm. our collective lives, right. right? Yeah. So, what were you going to say? Well, you know, it's interesting uh, that distinction that Tolly was making. Because I go to many workshop seminars on, you know, in a self-development, uh, continually evolving pursuit of being my best self, that it is almost, I would say, 90% women at all of these workshops. Mm-hmm. And the question mm-hmm. comes up, Why? where are the men? <laughs> right, where are the men? Well, we got we're busy. I got my, I got bills to pay. Yeah. I deal with this touch, this touchy feeling. Talk about feminine principle bullshit. Are you kidding me? Right. right. But I'm saying is that where are the men? But but until we're all involved in it again, it's like our, you know, I need feminism because I want my daughters, sisters, wife, and it's, mother it to is, get paid what they want. It's more than feminism. It's more than women because right. it is about human rights because in the same way that the male ego tried to eliminate women or be able to dominate yes uh, dominate the same thing uh, with people of color 
Of course, it's all it's it's, it's all an integrated all whole. The same one, thing. As Woody Allen said, if there's one person suffering somewhere in the world, I can't have a good time tonight. But it is all part of it. Right. And as and I'll just say, as Vice President uh, Biden announced at his VAWA 20th anniversary speech. He will hold a summit on civil rights and equal protection for women in order to expand civil rights remedies in the law because, as he said, and he was talking about everyone, quote, you can't talk about human rights and human dignity without talking about the right of every woman on the planet to be free from violence and free from fear. Maybe it won't happen in our lifetime, certainly, but I think that that is a laudable goal. Right. Um, until the, Let me the, hear an amen. Yeah, right? I'll give you an amen for that. So I believe that we are perhaps have just a few seconds left. There's our there's our terrific Don't You Give Up music and Don't You Dare Give In. And next week we'll be back with, with uh, we have Cesar. Robert Cesar, who is the head of one of the few remaining unions in, in the country, but one in New York representing the New York City Traffic Enforcement Agency. He's going to talk to us about what it's like to still be a union member in these challenging times, especially doing a challenging job like that. Until then, you know, get out there, as Tom Hartman always says. You know, democracy isn't a spectator sport. Get involved, and we look forward to seeing you here next week. Um, And until then, remember, stay strong and powerful. And whatever you do, if you're having workplace issues, remember one important thing. Don't quit. You will lose all your legal leverage. You know, anyone who's being challenged by discrimination in the workplace, tell them, do not quit their jobs.